a golden god! An equal amount of blueberries in each muffin. To a new world of gods and monsters. <laughs> I don't know who's weirder, you or me. You just put the law in my hands. I'm gonna break your heart. Nobody puts baby in the water. Whatever you do, don't fall asleep. There is Hello and welcome back to Movies for Life. I am one of your co-hosts, Brian Kuyper. And I am your other co-host, Michelle Egan. So this has been a spooky season of yeah, spooky seasons. Actually, it's really just starting for us. We are yeah. recording this early <laughs> as always. But we are going to sort of cap off our month of ghost movies with uh, ghost movies. Talking about some... Uh, we're, call- we're stealing this completely. Yeah. Totally and shamelessly. And As we do many things. It, yeah, and calling it ghost movies because, because why not? Okay, what else are we going to call it? Ghost movies yeah. that we think are interesting, not ones that are necessarily our top ten. Because I think we've both well, kind of talked about some of our favorites already oh, in, yeah. in more detail. Absolutely. So those will obviously not be on the list, though I think The Innocence and the Changeling would probably be my top two or three yeah. in the top three there if i were to actually rank them if this was an actual list of my favorite ghost movies yeah the changeling stir of echoes and the orphanage would all be on the list but would the innocence more it, the innocence would be now it wouldn't have been oh, that's what i before i watched it yeah. i think it would be now okay all this right. is just my list is kind of it's some super favorites that since we only yeah. got to do two episodes, two pairings, we only got to pick two movies, and I love ghost movies, so there's so many that I kind of fought with, but um, yeah. some of it's some of those, and then it's some that I just kind of want to highlight. Yeah, um, a couple of deeper cuts maybe that need more love, and one I think that's kind of an outlier, but I think some people might be on my side. If you're not, then whatever <laughs> there's some bigger titles that i left off uh that oh, yeah, I, if, if, if they don't end up on the list i'm sure we can bring them up yeah. because yeah there's even some gonna, like super yeah. favorites that are not on my list because i mm-hmm. just wanted to talk about other ones yeah that's kind of the way it worked for me too okay cool. so i believe that we're gonna have you start <laughs> you're gonna go first with your first pick ghost movies because what do you got Okay, I'm gonna like I said, I'm gonna start with my outlier. I struggled with the number ten because um, we we each did ten movies for our list, um, and so that last spot and was like, oh, I had a whole list of, of discards and like, which one do I want to highlight? I'm gonna go a little bit wild, possibly, and talk about a remake that I genuinely like and one that I kind of like more than the original. And uh, that is the Amityville Horror from wow. 2005. <laughs> now, don't, now, I don't know they're not losing anybody right now. 
Really? Yeah, I, yeah I, I've, I've seen the original a couple times, but, you know, you are definitely in the minority on this one. This is a, I think this I is might an be so. outlier <laughs> voice right here, and I'm, I'm hope, down for that. I haven't seen it, so I can't judge. I, I know this is just the beginning. This is the beginning of the list as my first pick, but stick with me. I have better choices if you don't like the Amityville Horror. I don't know why. Yeah, I know the main thing that everyone wants to talk about with this movie is um, Ryan Reynolds being shirtless and his chiseled physique. And you know what? Me too. I am a a red-blooded woman. I am not immune to those abs. But um, I'm also not immune to uh, Melissa George. I've always had kind of a crush on her. I think she's wonderful. And then when uh, Rachel Nichols with long red hair might I mention, oh my. shows up uh, later on as the babysitter wearing a very tiny midriff shirt. What? I think okay, Brian I might also see this like this now. as well. <laughs> I, will be, I will be seeing this. Like I said, I definitely enjoy it. And it's 2005. It doesn't do anything necessarily new or interesting like with the scares or with the visuals or whatever. It's very generic kind of like horror remake stuff. But... Something about it, like, it, it all comes together pretty well for me. Like, I like the cast. I really like the family dynamic um, with this, you know, this young couple and their their kids. And Melissa George as a mom is, uh, I think she has a great relationship with her kids. I think they're very sweet to watch together. And, you know, I always like interesting family dynamics that aren't shown a lot in movies. And I think this is actually one of them. So nothing new, nothing exciting or great, mm-hmm. but I just enjoy watching it. And it's a fun time. Hey, I'm. Go. No judgment here. It sounds like a bisexual's dream, too. Um, yes. <laughs> okay, cool. I'm happy for you. All right. Thank you. Yeah. I admire you will nice even, abs, yes. too. Yeah. I, okay, when you watch this, yes, even you, but you will be like, goals. I kind of want that, and I want to be yeah. that. <laughs> yeah, which yeah. which I can appreciate. Okay, so the first one that I picked, uh, I didn't get a chance to rewatch it, so I put it at the bottom because I'm kind of unsure about it. But I remember the first time I watched it really kind of being affected by it. I'm pretty sure it was probably my first A24 movie from 2017, A Ghost Story. Mm. Now, this is a funky one because it's an afterlife movie, you know, about, you know, ghosts standing just outside the realm where the living are and the living sort of sometimes sense them, but... What everyone seems to remember about this is the the ghosts are like sheets with eye holes. Yeah. Okay. So it's a really unique thing. It also has the saddest anyone has ever been eating pie with Rooney <laughs> oh. Mara. Uh, Why can you be sad eating pie? <laughs> exactly. I know. I know. Um, but uh, Casey Affleck uh, spends most of the movie in a sheet, uh, which is a bold choice. And... I remember being affected by it emotionally, especially by the time we get to the ending. Now, this is a mixed bag. You look, I look at the people on Letterboxd, and it is between four and one. I mean, as far as people liking or not liking this movie. It is A24, so it's got that vibe to it. That mm-hmm. sort of It's early A24, so it's got that real slow burn, slow, you know, let the emotions not necessarily be depicted by the characters, but you feel them, you know, that kind of thing. So if that's your vibe, uh, you'll probably like this movie. I, as I understand, there's probably, I, I don't know the story, but there's issues with the filmmaker. I don't know what it is. Um, so, but I'm judging the film 
uh, not the people who made it. So I'd like to rewatch it and give it another shot. It's one that has stuck in my mind, though, over the last few years. I never saw that one. I was definitely intrigued by Mm -hmm. the whole... I like the the concept of it. Yeah. It's a nifty concept of having, you know, sort of these people walking around in sheets <laughs> as your ghost. <laughs> yeah, so it I, is. Uh, yeah. Instead of just like as a uh, a joke thing, it's like it's the actual It's the actual way ghost. the ghosts are. Yeah. That's, pretty, that's, yeah. A, that's an interesting way to go with that kind of story. And to have it actually be effective like that, too, is surprising. Yeah, I'm interested in what yeah. the rest of the story is with the people. Yeah. So I might get that one a chance. It's so. about loss and tragedy. You know, A24. Sure. <laughs> uh, let's see. Let's go. Okay. Since I might have lost some people with the Amityville horror, let's bring it back around with a nice classic movie here. So from 1944, my next pick is The Uninvited. Which I was going to put on my list, but I didn't because I had a feeling. <laughs> you, you know me so well. It's like yeah. we're best friends or something. Uh. Crazy. So we have in this movie a pair of siblings, uh, Raymond Land being one of them, one of my favorites as Rick and his sister Pamela. And they go out and they buy this uh, vacation house that they just sort of happen to stumble upon while hiking along the cliffs. And it's haunted, obviously. But what I like the most about this one is that it's not particularly scary like at all right like some reviews i've read of this they're like oh it's like it's so tense and it's genuinely scary moments it's like i wasn't scared by this at all like what are you talking about i feel like it infuses a lot of comedy actually i mean there's oh, like yeah. it's got exactly. the things where he's like hiding under the bed sheets you know that sort of mm-hmm. you know that goes with like my next pick which i won't say yet so there's a little bit of that humor in, in that sort of yeah. relieves that tension. Especially me. with the, his, Ray Milan's character. Mm-hmm. He like kind of keeps up the skepticism a little bit. So yeah. he's always, and just like his voice and his, his way of speaking. I don't know. <laughs> I love him. I love Ray, L- Ray I Milan, mean, even yeah. that first scene where they first come across the house is them is like a, like a farcical kind of thing where their dog chases a squirrel into the house that's right. you know, been abandoned and it's empty and they're like chasing him around and it goes on for a few minutes so it's like this isn't a ghost movie it's got kind of whimsical music uh-huh. but it's got a lot of just your typical like kind of fun ghost stuff in it the animals won't go up the stairs and there's like mm-hmm. a cold spot and i just kind of like the story i think more than anything it so it's not really effective as a ghost movie in terms of being like really scary or unsettling but it is good in the terms of the the mystery element that i love about about ghost movies and the story behind you know what's going on and it has to do with like who they buy the house from um he's just known as the commander really but his granddaughter uh stella they talk about how like he's always trying to keep her away from the house like it's dangerous for her to be there and just like figuring out the whole backstory behind you know her mother's death who supposedly you know fell off the cliff another great thing about this is something i've been talking about a lot of this the setting i love the setting of this so much there's like just this isolated cool house um literally like 20 feet away from a huge cliff uh, into the sea and then the actual inside of the house itself, too, is really interesting, uh, especially Rick's uh, music room uh-huh. uh, upstairs because it's got that giant like bay of windows like that takes up yeah. almost like the almost one entire wall. Mm-hmm. Which I think it's so cool. It's like beautiful you know, view of the sea and everything. So, yeah, it's got um, I think it has a little bit more charm mm-hmm. than something like The Innocence. Yeah, other, other classic stuff like that. But it also has 
within the story with involved with the characters especially a certain uh miss holloway if you watch this there's a little bit of the innocent stuff going on with like repressed lesbianism possibly sure. that kind of yeah. stuff uh-huh. which makes it kind of interesting in terms like i said of the backstory so this is definitely a, a cool one to to check out if you haven't seen this before love yeah. this one yeah, real good. And one of the things that it's noted for is that it's sort of the first British, at least, ghost movie to take the ghost seriously. Mm-hmm. Like, there's comedy in it, but it's not at the expense of the ghost ever. So it actually treats the supernatural as a thing rather yeah. than being, it turns out, it's something that is explainable yeah. in the natural world. So that's, I like it too. Yeah. Because um, Pamela and Rick actually have a conversation when they, they're talking about doing a seance when she's convincing him. like, come on, like a lot of intelligent people believe in this stuff or like think it's actually possible. So, you know, we need to think yeah. of it as a possibility. So I like that. It took that approach to it. Blending the comedy in with it, it still doesn't really take away from some of the scenes being really effective because there is a part where there's like an actual apparition yep. that you see of, but it's not comical. It it you can yeah, really kind of exactly. feel it in the mm-hmm. moment. I, I, like it's a good blending of that stuff. It is. It is. Uh, so my next pick is a flat out comedy okay. from <laughs> the sixties, nineteen sixty six, The Ghost and Mister Chicken, uh, <laughs> starring Don Knotts as luther Higgs. it's a fun movie and yeah. he he plays this um he's like a nobody at the town newspaper he kind of wants to he's the typesetter and he wants to break into uh actually writing stories so he proposes this idea of writing about the haunted house where you know something happened however many years before and so the editor says okay uh i'll, I'll make you a bet we'll you'll spend the night there and he has this experience with this ghost or just with his time in, in the inside the house. And it goes on from there. I don't want to spoil it. It's a lot of fun. It's Don Knotts is just, you know, full Don Knotts over the top with the big bug eyes and the, Ooh, ah, you know, the scaredy cat vibe uh, uh, that he's so good at, frankly. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. It's just a fun movie. I saw it for the first time. It's a movie I'd heard about for years, though, because it was always on TV, uh, playing locally on TV. I, I, I don't know what the affiliate was, but I remember it was Channel 11, and they would always show the ghost and Mr. Chicken in the middle of the afternoon, and I would always change the channel. I don't know why. It didn't appeal to me, but then I was like, you know, I, I've always kind of been maybe a little curious about that. So I finally watched it just this last year and had a good time with it. It's a fun little movie. Yeah. I only saw it for the first time a couple of years ago too. I grabbed mm-hmm. uh, I found a Blu-ray for a pretty cheap. It's pretty cheap. Like, yeah. Oh, I, I got like, it oh, on Blu-ray be, too. Yeah. That could be fun. I'll check that out. And it was, it was very cute and very yeah. fun. <laughs> yeah. And I'm pretty sure it's shot on the same street as the Munsters and the Burbs uh, in Universal nice. there. I'm pretty sure I'm not in, I'm not positive, but it, but it looks like it's that same place. So anyway, nice. What do you got next? Next up, I have, okay, in the early 2000s also, we kind of had a, what I like to call a wonderful onslaught of like Asian horror as well. Mm -hmm. And uh, so a lot of good stuff came out of that. My personal favorite, a lot of them were ghost movies too. Yeah. And my personal favorite of all of those is from 2003, One Missed Call. 
Oh, which I haven't seen. Mm-hmm. You haven't seen this? Oh. Mm-mm. I haven't seen I that one. I love this. Yeah. Okay, so this is uh, Takashi Miike, and it's the story of about a group of young people who receive um, messages on their phone. They get a call from themselves with some kind of message or a picture or something from the future, and that is the time of their death. So like a couple of oh, days wow. or a week or something in the sure. future. And um, our main character is Yumi. She's a psychology student, and she's the one who goes out and um, kind of is the one to investigate why this, this is happening and who or what is causing them. And again, the element that I like the most about this is like what the the story turns out to be. It's a very kind of tragic story of the ghost, which involves like um, a child and a mother with uh, Munchausen by proxy. Mm-hmm. But this is just really effective and really well done. I always love in these movies, um, again, with like just the little breadcrumbs of like what the mystery is, the, the details that are included in each of the deaths, which are pretty cool. In this one, you hear the sound of an asthma inhaler, and there is like a little red candy that will come out of the mouths of the victims and becomes kind of important. What they, you know, the story of the, the child and her mother. And it's, it's just such a cool setup idea for a, a ghost movie. And it's, you get that kind of shock and surprise moments or that the tension building moments when like you know that this person is going to die and you're just you're waiting for that indication that you've already heard you know that this is what's going to happen and everything like that is just set up and paid off so well throughout and there is also a incredible like kind of horrible graphic scene where uh, one of Yumi's friends who gets this message, she's obviously terrified and she's approached by these people who want to exercise her on mm-hmm. uh, live TV. And oh. it doesn't go so well, but it is a fantastic uh, scene. So, um, yeah, I love this. This I have Intriguing. the arrow. I have the arrow, which has all three of them. I don't think I've even seen the other two yet, so I do need okay. to watch these. But <laughs> I absolutely love uh, One Must Call, and it's not really as talked about as maybe like Ringo no, as the, the Ray nor or, the Grudge. No, yeah, mm. this one has always been my favorite. I love this one. Yeah, uh, and that one also I think got an American remake too. I think that's it's what's on Max. Absolutely awful. That's what it's known yeah. for. Is yeah. being terrible. <laughs> that's that's kind of what I thought. I think that's the one yeah. that's on Max, and I'm like, uh, yeah, I'm glad you headed me off from that one because I'll I'll I'd no, rather don't. see the original. Yeah, it's for much sure, much better for sure. Okay, my next choice is very different from that. I okay. mentioned this briefly in the last episode because. It is uh, written and directed by David Kep uh, from 2008, Ghost Town. It's a comedy uh, starring uh, Ricky Gervais and Greg Kinnear and Taya Leone. And Kristen, I was very curious about this. Kristen Wiig's got a little part in it. That's pretty funny. But okay, nice. Ricky, Ricky Gervais, I know he's kind of a controversial character these days, but he made a run of movies around this time that were just... A lot of fun. I like there's the invention of lying and cold souls. And I this one is really a lot of fun, I think. He plays sort of this misanthropic dentist in Manhattan. You know, he's a transplant, of course, from London. But he goes in for his colonoscopy. <laughs> he he dies for seven minutes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so and they and they they bring him back and he, he's able to see the dead. Okay. And they are trying to communicate with him and just to get help. It's sort of got a sixth sense element in that way, except because he's just sort of this total misanthrope. He just sort of wants to be left alone. 
And so the ghosts will not leave him alone. Okay, so Greg Kinnear comes to him and says, all right, my wife, this is the story with her, and it's Taya Leone. And so he starts to really feel for her, and he thinks that Greg Kinnear's a jerk, and she she should just, you know, forget about it. What I like about how it ends up is it becomes sort of a different take on the whole unfinished business idea that we hear all the time, you know, which is, you know, like the sixth sense is like all of these ghosts are coming to him because they have unfinished business. Well, it takes that it flips it around in an interesting way. And I think it's really touching and ultimately a, a really kind of nice moving film. Probably a little saccharine for some people, but I still think it's a really sweet movie. It's very, it's funny, especially if you like um, Ricky Gervais's brand of humor, <laughs> which I do. I'll, I'll admit, I know that's not for everyone, but uh, you will probably get a kick out of this movie. I think it's on Prime is where I saw oh. it. I saw it somewhere for like one of the major streaming services for free. Uh, well, with subscription, of course. So it, it was, it, but it was one of the big ones. It was Prime or Netflix or one of them that is uh, had by a lot of people. So you can that see actually that sounds out. kind of fun. Yeah, it's sometimes a, sometimes it's, I like the the saccharine kind of stuff. It's, yeah. it's a nice palate cleanser sometimes. But the thing is, because Ricky Gervais is so not saccharine, it sort of balances it out okay. a little bit. <laughs> so uh, it's it's good though, and I like Greg Kinnear in it. He's kind of an asshole. Um, <laughs> he plays good. he plays a good asshole <laughs> yeah and well obviously ricky gervais does too <laughs> because you know art imitates life but uh but for some reason i find his brand of humor very very funny i always mm-hmm. have sue me i <laughs> you know i know it's not for everyone but i i really have a good time with that one it's me I, I don't think i like it quite as much as like the invention of lying but it's pretty good. I had a good time with revisiting it. Nice. I will have to check that one out myself. Sure. All right. So I've got a fun one to go along with that. And this is one that I have been trying to get Brian to watch for a while now. And I know that he has a copy of it. I know. From I, I was, 19- that's the one I was talking about off mic. Yeah. The big one that I've never seen. Is yeah. The Frighteners yeah. from 1996. This is Peter Jackson delivering just such a ridiculously fun and surprisingly dark, but also like over the top, like comical with some of the performances. I mean, fucking Jeffrey Combs absolutely steals the whole movie. You have to watch it like just for him. <laughs> I am a roadmap of pain. It's great. You'll love it. Um, so this is Michael J. Fox's Frank Bannister. He's uh, like a paranormal scam artist, basically, who also just happens to be able to see ghosts. Like he right. got the ability to see ghosts after like um, an accident that uh, killed his wife. Um, but then he also he uses the ghosts that he is kind of become friends with. Now he uses them to set people up so that he can then go in to um, you know, get money from those people to get rid of the ghosts. Mm-hmm. But then he starts seeing, you know, that uh, people that have numbers burned into their forehead and then they die shortly after seemingly by the Grim Reaper himself. So he, he kind of realizes that he can see that 
certain people are going to die soon. And it, I don't want to give away too much of like that whole story. I couldn't even tell you the whole thing because it's, it's a whole thing involved with uh, D. Wallace and Jake Busey. Again, bo- like, oh. both of them. Just I didn't being... realize D. Wallace was in that. Oh, yeah. she's fantastic yeah. in this. Yeah. <laughs> she plays a very love different her. kind of character. Love, love you, her. You yeah. love her. Um, yeah. And then um, Frank becomes friends with, I forgot the character's name, but the actress is Trini Alvarado, and I really mm-hmm. enjoy her in this. She's very sweet. And then, um, like I said, Jeffrey Combs absolutely stealing the show. And then right. we have the, the guys that um, play the ghosts are a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Oh, and Arlie Ermey. Um, he doesn't have a, a big part, but he does appear as a ghost, basically parodying his own character Full in Metal Full Metal Jacket. Jacket. Yeah. Well, that's the, Full Metal Jacket. That's the character he really knew how to play. Let's put it. Let's, let's just say. <laughs> it's so funny. And it's so cool that he, he yeah. agreed to do it. Because yeah. I think that they weren't, they were going to get somebody else to do that, like to mm-hmm. basically being that character. But then they asked him if he would actually do it and parody himself. And he was like, sure. So yeah. that's pretty well, cool. Well, I mean... <laughs> He, he kind of made his living doing that. You sure. Know, Toy Story and everything. But I also, it's also, it's not just kind of like wild and crazy. It's a very uh, good story with um, Michael J. Fox's character. I love that he used to be an architect like before mm-hmm. his wife passed away. And now and he's given that up to do this ghost stuff. And the way that his life has just kind of halted is represented, obviously, in like the house that he lives in, which is still just a halfway done it's a shell that he won't won't finish won't complete you know because you know everything is just stopped for him and it's it's kind of sad in that way but um still like super fun there is a director's cut version and a theatrical cut version director's cut is not wildly different from the theatrical it's got a couple of extra scenes with the ghosts so it doesn't like really add anything or take anything away from the movie i don't think it's even that many minutes difference you know in terms of okay. length so yeah watch it soon brian you'll like it it's fine i shall <laughs> i shall all right so my next pick is from a series a franchise if you will probably the most maligned entry in said franchise but i love it it freaked me out so much as a child that i didn't watch it a second time for 30 years and that is Poltergeist 2, The Other Side. <laughs> All right? So, this movie is the reason I don't drink. This is the movie. This is why I'm afraid of Puritans and cults. Um, this is... There, this is This braces, yes. Everything that has ever been traumatic for me in my life stems from Poltergeist 2 and to some extent 3. Okay, just saying. All right, clowns, first one. Okay, that too. But everyone talks about the Skinnamarink phone. I'm sorry. Poltergeist <laughs> 2 did it first. Anyway, you have Craig T. Nelson and Joe Beth Williams returning as the Freeling parents, uh, along with uh, Heather O'Rourke as our uh, young star. Zelda Rubenstein, of course, returns. But what makes this one stand out, I think, I know it's the quote-unquote magic Indian trope, but Will Sampson is wonderful in his role in this movie, and I think he it, it, it sort of brings in that lore, which it can be <laughs> maybe a bit problematic, I get it. But um, Julian Beck as Kane, yeah. the preacher, yeah. is so <laughs> terrifying. 
in this movie. I had that image of him standing in the middle of the shopping center with people walking through him ingrained in my brain for decades. The other one is when Craig T. Nelson gets possessed when he drinks the the tequila and he swallows the worm (laughs) and he throws it up and it turns into that thing. Oh my gosh. Still freaks me out. Like I said, people love the first movie. They like the third one. This one is sort of like meh for most, but some days this is my favorite entry in the series. Okay. (laughs) Which is insane. I know. I know. But if I'm like, Hey, I want to watch a a quick ghost movie, Poltergeist 2. It's 90 minutes. The first one's like zillion years long. (laughs) It's a great movie, but God, a little long. Third one is fun. I love all the mirror gags. That stuff is great. But this one, I think, also kind of gets me in the emotions a little bit, where three doesn't. Um, because I just love the Freeling family, that oh, yeah. core that core group, and that unfortunately is not in the third movie. As much as I love Tom Skerritt and, and you know that whole thing, it's it's I like three. I understand why people love it so much, but you know what movie was almost on my list? Poltergeist three. Poltergeist three. <laughs> yeah, I, I had a feeling, and I was like, I, th- I was like, I'm I'm safe if I pick two because no one likes this movie, but I. I don't know. I really enjoy Poltergeist 2, and it freaked me out so much as a kid. It's sort of imprinted on me, I think, in a way that few movies are. Uh, Nice. And, yeah, it scared me more than the first movie did when I I saw it as a kid. So... And I love no, I just, I, Poltergeist is a better movie. I mean, there's no no doubt of it. It's not <laughs> it's not even a question. Uh, you know, it's Toby Hooper's yes, Toby Hooper's Poltergeist <laughs> is a great, great, great horror film. But uh, boy, there's something about two for me that I have never been able to get over. I love that. <laughs> that is my story, and I'm sticking to it. No, that's perfect. Hey, uh, who just picked? The Amityville Horror remake. There okay. we go. <laughs> so, hey, at least I didn't pick the allowed. Poltergeist remake. That movie's which sh- honestly it wasn't just horrible, forgettable. But That's it was forgettable. This, it's totally, yeah. completely forgettable. I, I remember nothing about it. I mean, I, I saw it not that long ago, and I'm like, I don't remember anything about it. I remember watching it and thinking it was okay, and I even wrote a yeah. review of it, but I could yeah. not tell you anything. <laughs> for for <laughs> a long movie. for a long time, I was like, "Okay, Mark Ruffalo." No, it's not Mike, Mark Ruffalo. It's Sam Rockwell. I, I'm Sam so, I, I was like, "What?" <laughs> <laughs> and, and so I just I that that's how well I remembered it. It was just like nothing. There's one line I remember from that movie. He says, "My underwear is happy." That's all I remember from that movie. <laughs> Where is happy? Yeah. What was the context there? It was he was gonna have sex with his wife. Okay. <laughs> that's, that's, it. that's I all just, I remember. Just checking. It's before anything scary even starts to happen. If you want to see a good remake of Poltergeist, go see Insidious. Sure, sure. Yeah. <laughs> there we pretty go. much. All right. Anyway. Okay. Moving on. All right, well, I don't mean to bring things down, but because uh, I know that this one is probably super tough for a lot of people to watch and i understand them maybe uh, being i knew you were a gonna little pick this one I uncomfortable 
I understand being like super uncomfortable, maybe not really digging it for that reason. Um, but I, I just have to say that I respect the fuck out of this movie. So I have to pick it uh, from 1982, The Entity. Mostly I would say that I mean, I just respect so much the bravery of Barbara Hershey's yes. performance mm-hmm. yeah, in this movie. Absolutely. That's the reason to watch this. Not mm-hmm. because it's a fun watch, because it's fucking it's, not at all. It's not. It's it's last ghost on the left. I mean, it's... Right. <laughs> yeah. This is about Barbara Hershey, who's just like the sweetest human being on the planet, by the way. Love mm-hmm. her. Um, she's a single mother who experiences repeated and violent sexual assaults by some entity unseen you know malevolent clearly malevolent spirit and the way that the scenes are filmed and the way that she plays it during those scenes and after and oh the music it, they, it all comes together. It's so uncomfortable. It's so hard to watch. Like, I, I almost don't like saying that I like the effects during mm. that scene. Just They are impressive, the, though. They are I mean, impressive. I, I have no idea how they did that. <laughs> the, I, like, depression of her skin to where it looks yeah. like hands that are yeah. touching her is... It, again, it's like it's hard to say that you you'll, you like them because it just adds to it being mm-hmm. like so uncomfortable and horrific to watch her go through that. But it's like it's pretty cool. Yeah, you know, I, how they, I, how I they have achieved that look. No idea, and I haven't watched any special features about the making of it, so I have no idea how they did that. I haven't kinda, in a while. I I'd forgot. Kinda, I'd kind of rather not know because it's just like wow. I don't know how they did that. I have, and I think I forgot exactly yeah, how yeah. it was done. I think it's probably like a fake body parts or something. I think that's probably the case um, too, but yeah. Um, but just the way all of this comes together and the, the horror and empathy that you feel for this woman, especially like having to watch that and then like knowing the kind of reaction that she's going to get from people having to watch her like not be believed. Sure. And the fact that she has, um, especially like her grown son, like his reaction and like mm-hmm. his helplessness yeah. and it all um, is, is again, just really, really effective. It's not fun to watch. And I know a lot of people hate like the, the last part of it. The third um, act doesn't work for me, you know, trying to trap in <laughs> ice and stuff. I'm like, what? I know, <laughs> you know? It, it's never, yeah. I, I've never really had an issue with that where yeah. they try to yeah capture the ghost or whatever in that. It, yeah. It's a really cool setup, I think. With the, yeah, I mean, the, the ideas are sound, but it's just sort of like, huh? <laughs> <You know? laughs> How does that work? But yeah, for me, I don't, I don't really mind it because it doesn't really take anything away from that effectiveness of the, the beginning parts of the movie, like those scenes with her. And again, with the family dynamic, I mean, it just... The way that um, they all play it and the way that the, it's filmed, um, Sidney J. Fury, mm-hmm. a great director, the way that it's presented, it really makes you feel what you're supposed to feel for the characters. No, oh, absolutely. Um, and it doesn't, it's not salacious or <laughs> like uh, titillating at all. Right. Um, yeah. You, uh, you you definitely get the, the shock and the horror of it all. So um, not a fun movie to watch, but impressive and brave movie important i I think too important movie yeah yeah because honestly it's a movie i I think what re-watching it now you know it sort of post me too and me too era stuff it's about believing women is a big part of that movie yeah it's one that i should re-watch but i at the same time i'm like you don't want to it's a lot it's a lot you know what i mean uh yeah it's a tough movie it's like it's like i've seen last house on the left more than i ever planned to as well but you know 
Um, that's mean, don't, don't, don't don't get me wrong. It's a very different movie from Last House on the Left, but it, yeah. it's it's but the sexual assault is that kind of visceral. Like I want to watch it more and like appreciate like again the performance and everything. But it's like yeah. I, I I don't know if I can watch it again. Like I own it. I have this mm-hmm. great the Scream Factory, Factory yeah, edition. Yeah, but still a great movie. Yeah. Okay, so this next one, some people are gonna tell me, well, that's not a ghost movie. That's a haunted house movie, which. Fair enough, but what is haunting the house? There's something behind that door. So my pick is from 1976, uh, Dan Curtis's Burnt Offerings. Okay. That's on my discards. All right. <laughs> Good. So, uh, so it's a fair game choice then? Absolutely. Okay, yep. so I, I just rewatched this the other day uh, after having not seen it in a little while. And uh, so Karen Black, Oliver Reed, Burgess Meredith, Betty Davis – that's just the top bill. I know, uh, right? <laughs> and it's this crazy idea of just a, a person essentially being possessed by a house. Yeah. You know, we've seen the whole thing, you know, like vampires where they age backwards. They get younger after, as they feed on blood. This is sort of like the mm-hmm. house gets younger feeding off the souls and essence of the people that live in yeah. it. So it's a slow burn, real groovy movie, though. <laughs> <laughs> it's like it you know it's uh it's it's one that i think it's it's subtle it's kind of like the changeling in that way but i tell you oliver reed goes nuts like no one goes nuts yes he does uh, so that pool scene the pool scene everybody loves the pool scene can't, um, I, that's the only thing I really remember. I haven't seen that yeah, so long. I have to rewatch this one myself. I know. I and love then, this. And then that whole thing with like the chauffeur and the coffin. Yeah. yeah. It's just got these images <laughs> in it that are. Stuff. Yeah. It's it's good movie, <laughs> crazy movie, great seventies horror. I mean, this is one of those sort of next level cuts of seventies horror. You've got. Mm-hmm. Exorcist, Texas Chainsaw, stuff like that in the top here. This is like the next level down where where not as many people have seen it and should. Yeah, <laughs> you know, absolutely. Uh, Kino's got a great Blu-ray out of it. Well worth seeing. Burnt Offerings. Good nice. book, too. Read the book as well. Cool. Who yeah. wrote that? It is by Robert Marasco. Cool, man. All right, so shall we go back to the classics now? I got a classic next, too, so go for it. All right, let's let's do it. So this is the one that Brian let me have uh, yeah. for the list <laughs> from 1968. One that I found even because of Brian, and I'm very, very happy. Thank you. Yes. You're welcome. Uh, Coronico. Yes. She very subtly asked me, so, Brian, do you have a Japanese ghost story on your list from the 60s? And I said, that starts with a K. And I said, I might. <laughs> And, and then I said, choices. but there are two choices. <laughs> and I, I said, I'll let you have Coronico. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. So, and the other one is quite on, which, quite on. which I did not put on my list, but would recommend. So absolutely. Yeah. But Coronico. So I've only seen this the once, but, um, I really yeah. just kind of fell in love with it just as a very, tragic story mm-hmm. and eerie in the way that it's filmed and uh, sorry to use the word but i think it really works like haunting um mm-hmm. <laughs> uh score especially oh yeah like yeah. one of my one of my favorite things about this movie is um i was just like entranced by this one group of notes in the score where it's like 
dun dun where the last note kind of sounds like it's coming out of like a wooden flute or something oh, cool yeah it's, um yeah i don't know so it's it sounds very ghostly itself and like kind of natural oh, nat- like an actual noise that you might hear like if you see these ghost women like in the woods mm-hmm. late at night or something and it really really fits in and it kind of yeah. it's a great mood setting and I mean, look at this cover. Yeah, where it's just like the black and whites and the the trees and the little ghostly image of the woman. Yeah. Ugh, that's what the whole movie is like, and it it, it really got to me. It was really cool. It's a great and revenge story. Yeah, I love the so black woman, cat motif. Yeah, <laughs> the woman, and I think it's her her daughter in law, right? I think so yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, there's like they're alone in their house. That's the this is how the movie opens. There's like a roving band of samurai that find them uh like alone in their house and like steal their food and stuff. And they also rape and murder them. So nice and happy again. Okay, wow, but, yeah. But <laughs> stick with it. I mean, that's just stick the, with it. Yeah. That's the setup. <laughs> it gets <laughs> yeah. And then when you see like the black cat, because that's uh-huh. what Veronica means, isn't it? Yeah. The black cat. Yeah. Uh-huh. There's a black cat that like climbs on their dead bodies and licks them or something. So it's kind of it seems they're doing something supernatural <laughs> to them. I don't really know what the whole the, the lore is with the, the the black cat exactly, but now the women are ghosts and they lure um, other samurai by their using their ghostly women wiles to to lure them to kill them you know for revenge. Cool. Which is pretty cool. And they attack them like uh, cats or they end like biting at their throats and stuff. That's kind of cool. <laughs> yeah. You kind of like seeing them get their revenge on that way. Even if it's like, I don't think it's the same samurai though. I think it's just any samurai. It's just any samurai. Yeah. It's any samurai. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's very much a class struggle yeah. kind of thematic movie, which, you yeah. know, hey, a lot of, <laughs> a lot of, <laughs> you know, Japanese movies of the time were. So. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh. So, and then it gets a little more personal, though, I think, mm-hmm. when the the husband who's been away for a while and he's a samurai now and he He's trained comes to be back. a samurai and he comes back, yeah. Yeah. It um, makes things complicated. It definitely for does. Them. Yeah. So it's not like overtly like ghosty they still appear like as actual people they're not they're never like apparitions or like see-through or anything but you definitely still get i think the the vibe of the the ghost movie like i said through the the way that it's filmed Mm -hmm. and the score um this is a fantastic fantastic movie oh it's so good it's so good that was one of my favorite discoveries a couple years ago yeah uh i think i heard about it well i had heard about it before like on the Criterion when it was released, but the first person I heard really talk about it was Patrick Bromley on an all-nighter or like when they did their horror marathon thing on Pure Cinema. And it's like, oh, that sounds cool. So I'll give it a look. And it was better than I expected it to be. I mean, and I love, you know, Japanese film of that era in particular. And it's just like, it's fantastic. All right, so my next one is also from the 60s. Famous micro-budget indie horror film of the early 60s. Revolutionary in its way. Cult film Carnival of Souls ah. from 1962. See, I saw this come up on some lists, and I was like, yeah. huh, does that really count? But it does, yeah. It, it's <laughs> right on the edge, it's I on know. The, it's, it's, it's on the edge. But this woman, you know, she's... Like the sole survivor of this car accident at 
you know, kills all their friends and she manages to escape, you know, that haunting image of her coming up out of the water. I love that shot. Yeah, it's it's a very famous shot. And she has this job that she takes as a church organist in Utah. And there's this, uh, like, building out in the Salt Lake that's like this empty, haunted building. And it's uh, got these just great images of these ghostly figures are they ghosts what are they it's hard to say again because of the low budget i mean it pretty much is just people with white makeup on but mm-hmm. it's something about all that is so eerie and so effective and then it's kind of a feels like an extended twilight zone episode it's got that vibe to it except it's also got sort of an arty vibe to it so you know there's a lot of music there's a lot of organ music there's a lot of you know, driving around and seeing the desert, but it's really, I don't know, it gets under your skin in a way that's unexpected, I think. its it, I know a lot of people listening to this probably have already seen this one, but it's worth a revisit. I revisited it uh, just a couple months ago and was like, that's really kind of a crazy, interesting, esoteric, intelligent, it, it gives you a vibe and a feeling more than anything. But uh, yeah, it's such a good movie. It's it's very odd. It's a really weird movie, but I can't help but love it. I need to check that one out again, too. Yeah. Uh, the only bad thing about that movie is that I had already known the twist like four oh, okay. years yeah. before I actually got to see it. So that uh-huh. kind of took away from the effectiveness just a tiny bit because like, I knew the whole where time where it was going, yeah. where it was going. So if you can go into something like that without knowing that, then yeah. I think you'll have a lot more fun <laughs> with it. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's that idea that we've talked about with orphanage and stuff, you know, people that are close to death, you know, or have experienced tragedy mm-hmm. like the, in the changeling, you know, experiencing these supernatural events. And that's kind of how it feels. Yeah. Carnival of souls. All right. Next up for me, we're going to go back to the 2000s again, 2000 specifically, with just one that I absolutely love and that Brian also really needs to see. Yes, (laughs) I see your face. What Lies Beneath. I freaking adore this movie. And what's interesting about it is that it sort of has like lifetime movie vibes, but (laughs) more like those ones that are like really surprisingly good <laughs> in a way okay. that you don't expect. It's so good. It's Robert Zemeckis directed. So I, I love him. He's fantastic. Um, and it's Michelle Pfeiffer and Harrison Ford. They're a couple of uh, new empty nesters. So they're kind of enjoying their time together um, when she starts, you know, experiencing supernatural occurrences uh, mm-hmm. in their house and she sort of starts spying on the neighbors she notices them yeah. fighting a whole lot and then she realizes that the wife kind of goes missing for a little while so she suspects that you know he killed her and that she's haunting them you can either go two different ways or a couple different ways with ghost movies you can be like really subtle with like the haunting stuff or you can just go over the top uh, crazy, which is what one of my picks is. And I love both of them. They're both kind of fun. Like, I sure. I love little moments like 
one thing that happens all the time is that she'll go to open the front door and like right before her hand reaches the knob you know it'll open or a picture will fall or she'll hear like whispers or she when she actually like sees somebody usually in the reflection of water it's not really as effective i kind of like those little moments of just like something else is here like you know feeling a presence um there is a lot of really effective uh like ghost sequences in um in this that you again like you might not expect from this movie um, it's it's really good. There is a seance scene like there always is with, you know, a Ouija board and everything. But what makes that even more effective is that that's a fake out. And the scene right after that is even better. Um, All right. And there's also the famous like kind of uh, possession scene with Michelle Pfeiffer where she looks. The she's always incredibly right? hot. Uh, not the bathtub, but um, where, yeah, she gets kind of possessed by the ghost and she's seducing her husband norman and that famous line that she has like i think she's starting to suspect something who your wife yeah she's (laughs) she's all right 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 it's it's cool it's very cool i I actually think you would really like this everything that it does is stuff that maybe you've seen before but it's just one of those ones that like it it does it all very effectively it's very well put together you've got mm-hmm. amazing actors you know yeah. playing this out so it kind of gives it a little bit more credibility in that way <laughs> i think it's so much better than i think a lot of people give it credit for even though i think there's a there's a whole slew of us like what lies beneath there are a lot of people there. love just, this movie it's yeah inc- yeah it's incredibly effective i like the back of this says it does for bathtubs what psycho did for showers <laughs> like a lot of cool stuff with uh no. like water another one of those like breadcrumb things that leads to like when you know what the actual story of the ghost is i think love it Di- love, Di- love love this diabolique movie. probably did for bathtubs what psycho <laughs> did for showers but hey you know <laughs> Just, just saying. That's true. Just saying. That's true. Or, or, or fatal attraction. <laughs> There's a pretty good bathtub yeah. scene in this. I know yeah, that. I, that's what I hear. That's what I hear. Absolutely. Okay. My next pick is my outlier. It's a controversial, hey. semi-deep cut. It's a British horror film from 1973 called The Asphyx. So this guy, no one's going to recognize the name. Oh, well, Robert Powell. <laughs> sorry. Yes, Robert Powell. So we got we got uh, okay. <laughs> at least one name, at least one name that people will probably recognize is. I have no idea who that is. <laughs> that's okay. He's this guy. He he's a scientist who photographs people at the moment of their death, and he starts okay. to notice that there's like this smudge that you can see on the slide in the picture, and so he starts to become fascinated by what this could possibly be. Well, one day there's a scene at a river and you know someone close to him dies and he captures it on it's like early film you know like early movie film okay i don't know how else to say it right now so he has his little movie camera and he's cranking it and you know he gets this picture and there's that smudge so he starts to think about what is this well it turns out it's this thing called the asphyx, which he th- at first he thinks it's like someone's soul escaping from their body, you know. But it's actually this thing that attaches itself to you with the moment you die and takes your soul away. So it's the thing that actually kills you. So he figures out a way to trap it 
like in Ghostbusters with a beam. Seriously, <laughs> I'm like not. I'm not. I'm not kidding. Yeah, <laughs> and or the entity. Yeah, sure. <laughs> and so he discovers if you can contain this asphyx, you could live forever. Ah. So it's all about this idea of immortality and exploring the different things about he does all these experiments some of which do not go well hint do not involve your daughter in experiments that may you know take them up to the moment of their death (laughs) just saying (laughs) sounds like a good idea yeah and so This movie's weird. It's wacko. Uh, I love. I don't want to give away any more than that because I. The twist is just like, oh yeah, that's so. That's awesome. I love that so much. It's a. It's a very strange British, very British film uh, from 1973. Um, but boy, I. Cool. I really like this movie. I've liked it. I've seen it a couple times now. It's fascinating it moves real quick it's uh, less than 100 minutes but i i've really been enjoying it um the, these last couple of times i actually kind of want to watch it again <laughs> because it's just <laughs> it's this great twisty turny movie that is just a lot of fun and um has a little bit of a twisted feeling to it somehow that i kind of dig so i like that that sounds yeah. cool <laughs> yeah the aspect where did you it is, a, it is available on Kino. Nice. And also, uh, it's a movie, and they kind of give away some spoilers. So if you listen to the episode, be careful. But uh, Edgar Wright uh, talks about it on his Pure Cinema podcast episode about underappreciated British horror. So see the movie before you listen to that, because it'll, it, gives some, it gives the twist away. So, um, yeah, so be careful. I don't remember that episode, so that's good. Okay. (laughs) It's a super fun movie. So, and I don't think a lot of people have seen it. But yeah, there's a Kino Blu-ray of it. And it's under the Redemption label, which is sort of like, you know, a little bit more weird, obscure stuff. Uh, So it's, it's cool. Yeah, definitely recommend that one. Next up for me is probably my favorite film from a current director working today either my second favorite or my favorite it kind of depends um from 2011 my next pick is the innkeepers yeah i just saw this for the first time this year it's a good movie right yeah (laughs) uncle marty's a fan too so hey nice did did you hear yes he is yes he is that's right yeah that's dad. Dad Marty, you're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> well, he's dad to you. He's just uncle to the rest of us. I think what I love the most about this movie sometimes is like not even the ghost stuff at all because what is just really captivating is just how freaking charming and adorable uh, Sarah Paxton and Pat Healy are mm-hmm. as They're the, great. the main characters. Yeah. Claire and Luke. I could... I want them to have a series together or something. Yeah. They, they, as like they were like little ghost hunters, like a prequel thing to this movie, being little ghost hunters working in the, at this haunted inn. Oh my god! I just thought of that, and that would be so cool because they're <laughs> they're so cute together. That's right. Mostly, it's like I want to see more of them. They're just they're so real and they're so like normal and relatably awkward in their interactions with people the scene with um sarah paxton and uh, kelly mcgillis because she's playing this like retired actress 
who's now a medium, you know, and she goes up to her room to give her towels and Sarah Paxter just kind of like nerves out on her for mm -hmm. a second. It's like, oh, that's she, she's so good at, at playing that. It, it's so cute. And we always love uh, a relatable character. But and but that whole part of the movie, I think, does its job. It does what it's supposed to. It makes you fall in love with these people in a way that you really need to for it to be as effective it is as it is by the end. Because a lot of um, the stuff going on here, it's a lot of it is not like huge jump scares. It's a lot of like slow tension building. Because mm -hmm. the story is, is that they're working at this end that this is the last weekend that it's going to be open. And it's said to be haunted by this jilted bride who hung herself and was buried in the basement or something. And so like they're both ghost hunting and enthusiasts and this is their their last opportunity to get like real evidence uh, that this place is really haunted and i love <laughs> i love the scene with the he's showing her the website that he's created and it's like the cheapest <laughs> silliest looking thing again right. just being absolutely cute but um yeah, yeah. Uh, i like the, the the one scene that she has like doing evp is really cool just the way that he uses sound again sometimes ambient noise like heightened the way it is because she's you know wearing headphones and like trying to record he kind of heightens the sound a little bit even that is effective at building tension because you're waiting for something you're waiting to see like or like straining to see if you can hear something he's very subtle a, a lot of times um ty west is in in this um like one of my favorite parts of the movie is something that i didn't even see the first time which is the very last shot pay very close attention to the very last shot of the movie if you haven't seen it <laughs> you might see something or you might not i think this is really effective the way that he's able to build up that suspense and not always have it be like a huge scare at the end but like just enough like the scene in, where they're in the basement and she's saying that she can see the ghost behind him and he's just looking absolutely terrified it's like the reactions of the characters is really what kind of builds it up a lot again love this movie great one yeah so we're gonna go from subtle horror to subtle horror <laughs> okay with my next nothing pick, else which... about the innkeepers <laughs> no i like the uh, i liked it a lot i've only seen it once i i don't <laughs> I don't really know what to add, to be honest. It's a good one, and okay. people should watch just... it. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. And I'm excited for Maxine. Yes! So yeah. excited. Yeah. Yeah. So glad Ty West is back in action. All right. So my choices next one is one that I saw for the first time just about a month ago. Uh, it just got a 4K from Scream Factory. It's called The Haunting of Julia, ah. uh, starring... Mia Farrow, and uh, from, you know, our mutual favorite movie of all time, 2001 A Space Odyssey, <laughs> Cure Delay. Okay, so just to warn everybody, the one thing that really threw me off when I first started watching this is American actors Cure Delay and Mia Farrow both speak with British accents in this movie, and they're not very convincing. Not great. <laughs> but that being said... The film itself is very, I mean, this is one of the most subtle horror movies I've ever seen. It's like innocence levels of ambiguity going on here. But there's also like these incidents that happen that are like the omen, you know, where something makes these accidents happen or do they just happen? 
I don't know. <laughs> but uh, it's a really, uh, like, well, haunting is at to describe this one, too. Because it really is one of those movies that probably gets under your skin more after you watch it. Uh, which is, you know, a magic trick of filmmaking sometimes. A really great movie can just sort of affect you more after you watch it than while you're watching it in a weird way. Uh, so this one got to me, I got to say. Uh, it's about, it deals with the death of a, of a child and grief, and, and that happens right in the first sequence. So, I mean, it's not giving anything away. But it's about the strain that puts on this couple, you know, this person specifically julia played by mia farrow it's just grappling with grief is a lot of what this movie is uh but it's done in a way that is not you know halloween ends show grief your tits and um or whatever the line is but it's it's not you know trauma porn it doesn't feel like that but but it is very much about you know like the changeling it's a movie about grief and it's one that's so subtle, you're almost like you don't realize it's happening to you while you're watching it. And I'm not doing a very good job selling it at all, but there's something about it that is really remarkable. Now that it's available in this beautiful version, that's yeah. well worth getting because it really is a lovely looking movie too. It's a, and it's got that sort of British vibe to it. If you're into that, if you're into British ghost stories, I don't know. There's something about the Brits. They seem to know ghost stories well. And so mm-hmm. this has that in spades. So yeah, definitely a, a big recommend for me is The Haunting of Julia. This is one that has been recommended by so many people that I trust for so long. And it's like, mm-hmm. I need to finally watch it. Yeah, I it's wanna, it's based on see a, if it's as good as y'all say it is. <laughs> yeah, it's based on a novel by Peter Straub, who uh, uh, he's, nice. prob- he's probably best known for two things. One of them is co-writing The Talisman with Stephen King. Sure. sure. <laughs> That's how I first heard of him. But he also wrote Ghost Story, yeah. uh, which I tried rewatching that movie and I don't know there was a time when directors and people thought it was a great idea to cast Craig Wasson as your lead in your movie <laughs> as your charismatic sex sim- I don't understand that at all uh, but <laughs> it, it, it just it wasn't working for me I'd seen it before and every time I've I see that movie it's just like I like the old guys you know I think they're doing wonderful things but it just doesn't work for me as a whole for some reason. I remember having the same reaction. Yeah. yeah. To that one. Because I love Melvin Douglas. I love John Houseman, And I love Fred Astaire. They're great. And their interactions are wonderful. But the other stuff is just like, eh. So this is a much better adaptation. This is a much work, better adaptation of, of, of Peter Straub. Yeah. So Excellent. Okay. My last two on my list are maybe lesser known underseen ones that I really really want to highlight um, so the first one that is from 2015 so not that old but I still think not a lot of people saw it or don't love it as much as they should it is we are still here which I've never seen yeah that's I've, what that's, I'm saying <laughs> that's, been on, that's been on my radar a long time but I haven't seen that one so like I was saying before you can either go for like subtle and creepy with your ghost movies or you can go crazy bloody and bonkers violent which this one does 
and I freaking love it for it. And that's what, uh, yeah, that's what uh, Ted Gagan um, is the director. He's okay. Uh, does such a great job with this, and it stars our everyone's favorite returning screen screen queen Barbara Crampton. Barbara Crampton, yeah, who is just absolutely killing it. And I love seeing her online and how much she just loves what she's doing now. It's it's like such a joyous thing to see. Um, but it's uh, she and her husband um, Anne and Paul. They move to um, a small town, a little kind of isolated house in a small town for like a fresh start after their son has been killed in a car accident. So again, with dead children and, you know, having a little bit of grief uh, there in the background, it also takes place in um, 1979. So it's got like kind of fun, nostalgic vibes uh, in that way. So yeah, of course, their house is haunted, but she thinks it's their son. But what she doesn't know is that there's this whole violent and bloody history with the entire town so it's one of those kind of things and it's a lot of fun um larry fessenden also shows up so well i'm sold i think you need to see it just for that because he's great as he always is yeah um he and lisa marie um they come to the house because they're both kind of spiritualists so yeah there's another like seance scene but he has a really fun part um, is that Lisa Marie as in Ed Wood, Lisa Marie? I believe so, yes. Excellent. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. One thing I love about this, I love, love, love the look of the ghosts because yeah. they're like burned bodies, basically. They have this amazing like blackened skin with like cinders um, coming off of them and smoke mm-hmm. and white eyes. And they're just so cool. Like there's a great sound design to to go along with them too and yeah there's like really fun uh great death scenes these ghosts are pissed and they show it <laughs> you know and there's even um like even the house itself kind of feels like it's it's haunted not just by these people but like the whole house is like infested because there's one part where it kills somebody and like one of my favorite shots of the movie is like um the cellar is like one of those like rock wall like mm-hmm. dirt floor cellars so like super creepy and everything but there's like a hole to nowhere seemingly in the cellar and there's one part where like one of the guys is killed like he's sucked down and through the stairs and then there's a shot down in the basement of like blood just spurting out of this hole as if the house itself is like burping or something <laughs> after right. it's just killed somebody it's fantastic the there's a lot of fun stuff like just with the characters but like the last act is just a just a smorgasbord of fun i must say smorgasbord and it's, wow yeah excellent and it's also it takes place in the winter so there's snow everywhere so it's a nice great like snowy cool. atmosphere and it's another thing too with the ghosts where they sort of have reach beyond the physical house as well so there's some pretty cool um in particular one scene that i'm thinking of that's pretty surprising and i don't want to give anything away but it's fine no don't don't you yeah. like it cool i will check that one out okay so my next choice goes way back to 1945 and it's an anthology, perhaps the greatest anthology of all time. I think I know what it is. And it is Dead of Night. Yeah, it is. <laughs> directed by several people. Now, hey, just because they did it first doesn't mean it's best, right? Well, in this case, 
I think it probably is. You know, that's my opinion. I'm sure not everyone <laughs> shares it, but for me, I don't know. It's just I think every segment is effective. Some are really, really short. The one that is sort of the centerpiece is not really a ghost thing, but it kind of is with the haunted dummy. Uh, you know, and you have Michael Redgrave uh, playing this tormented ventriloquist in something that was, you know, ripped off. Well, not ripped off, but I mean, a, a trope that was borrowed for Twilight Zone and magic and all kinds of things since then. It's and effectively in all those cases as well. But this is just what five or six great little ghost stories wrapped up inside another one. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so it's a classic for a reason. I just find this movie to be just really effective still after all this time. Oh, yeah. I put this one on every now and then and always am just pulled in by it. It's a terrific movie. I've only seen it the once, but yeah, it definitely had a, a huge effect on me. I thought it was fantastic. It wasn't even like an anthology, like, yeah, like you're saying, like where maybe one is necessarily better than the others. I, I enjoyed them all. Yeah. I thought it was great and still very much effective. And the way we've been, like, it's been coming up <laughs> several times. It's another one of those things where it's like, it keeps coming up. I want to, I really need to rewatch that again. Cause I've still only, sure. still only seen it the once. So. Again, a nice Kino Blu-ray available of Isn't it. Isn't that and, out on... Yeah. Who put that out on blue, too? So I have the DVD, but... Someone else? Another okay, I, I have the Kino Blu-ray. Okay. Yeah. Huge fan of that movie. Yeah. And I wrote about it for Bloody Disgusting, if you want to take a look at that, too. So I'm probably the only person who's ever written about that on that site. So if you type in Dead of Night, you'll probably find it. Cool bean. It's got a okay, cool Christmas so. episode in there, too, so... Not remembering. See, it's it's been a, so long since I've watched it, and start, it's starting to fade from my memory. Yeah. So I need to watch it again. <laughs> well, just to get you thinking about sort of the next season, I guess. Yeah, there you go. Okay, last one on my list is one that I don't know that anybody really has heard of. Maybe a co- hopefully a couple of people check this one out. I don't remember how I heard of it myself, but it has been a favorite. It's another kind of recent one from 2012. And it is a movie called The Pact. I've heard of that one. I haven't seen that one, but I recognize that cover for sure. Yeah, cool. Yeah. Okay, mm-hmm. maybe more people have heard of it. another one of those mm-hmm. like kind of a IFC Midnight. Yep. Um, little indie movies that is genuinely like so good. So it's about um, this young woman um, Annie Barlow who goes back to her um, childhood home for her mother's funeral. I say reluctantly because apparently the mother was pretty abusive but she goes back because her sister was already there. there's a great like kind of another like fake out like opening scene where you think this girl is the main character but she goes missing and so um annie goes in there to investigate and one night she has an experience that makes it uh, very clear that the house is haunted by somebody when she's like thrown around the house um and runs out but you know she her sister is missing um her her sister has a a small child so the investigation is on she has to find out uh what's going on and um it's not just about like finding out who the ghost is and what it wants i like that it is about finding out what happened to these people that might um, because her cousin also goes missing seemingly what makes it so 
creepy is that it, they go missing seemingly from inside the house, like just vanishing without a trace. So you don't really know what's going on there. And, and it, what I like about it too is that it is a normal sized house. The mm-hmm. way it is a like a one story ranch, sure. like <laughs> small house. It's like that's where I grew up. That's you know when they yeah. try to say like, oh, we're just a you know little middle class family, and it's like this two story, right, double car garage type Looking house. At no, you, no. Et right. <laughs> This is a normal person house, which yeah. is just a, an element of it, a small, small element that I really like. And it's another one that it does similar things that you've seen before, but it does them just a little bit differently. And it really makes it unique. Like there is um, a scene with a medium, but she is completely different. She's not like uh, an older, like middle aged wise woman <laughs> that uh, is the medium and usually in these types of movies um it's a girl that annie used to go to high school with that you know there was rumors about her when she calls her up she's like can you can you really do that thing everyone said you could do and it's also but it's also kind of sad when she finally see her um it's a girl named stevie so she's annie's age like mid-20s or so and she just has this um ability and she's a beautiful girl but she's also like very She's just very thin and pale and kind of sickly looking to her. Like the the ability that she has like really takes a toll on her. But she tries to help out people with it. Just another thing I think was kind of unique about it. Just doing something like that a little bit differently. Having a younger person be this medium. And she's just wearing like a tank top and shorts or whatever. Mm-hmm. So she, it's not, you know, it's not just It's more... not like coming in with the whole... You know, the, the whole team the, of people, right? Yeah, yeah. The crazy... The crazy outfits and stuff yeah gotcha the investigation part of this movie like finding out the story again is very cool there's a very cool twist that i really really wish i could talk about with all of that but because that's one of the the highlights of them it's part that just absolutely scared the shit out of me again we're gonna with the when you see the the ouija board scene just know something cool is gonna happen here pretty soon really 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 cool effective uh movie that i god i when i saw it i was like trying to champion as hard as i could for it like on Mm -hmm. my blog but i was just like a little drop in the water but man i hope i wish people more would see this because it's it's fantastic cool i have noticed that like i said i've seen that cover i've seen that picture a lot of times so i'll just have to give that a look that image is not in the movie (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no, but I've definitely seen that that cover yeah. art. So I'm saying I'm uh, just saying that doesn't actually happen in the movie. <laughs> oh, okay. But, well, that's fine. But it's an effective cover, I must say. So please check it out, everyone. All right. So my number one is my favorite ghost movie that we haven't talked about. So I know, I know, it, I know. yeah, I know. <laughs> I'm going to mispronounce this L. Espinaz Nazo del Diablo, aka <laughs> The Devil's Backbone, uh, from yeah. 2001, directed by Guillermo del Toro. What an incredibly evocative and beautiful movie this is. It starts with yeah. the question, What is a ghost? and ends with the statement, I am a ghost. And I'm not going to fill in the middle parts in between. You know, it's more about the Spanish Civil War and than I fully can grasp and understand but that's sort of like the underlying subtext where you know this ghost story about this child 
who's visited by this ghost is so effective and moving and stirring and, you know, like Pan's Labyrinth, it has sort of this mystical world and this real world Mm -hmm. and they intertwine. I think they're more intertwined in this than they are in the other. There's more separation between the two in Pan's Labyrinth than there is in this. This is like this uh, supernatural world is entwined into this setting so deeply and uh it's a powerful film i think it's probably my favorite guillermo del toro movie which is a high praise considering his filmography but i more i watched it the the more stirred i am by the film and it's so evocative and released on my birthday 2001 so there's that if you haven't seen The Devil's Backbone, see The Devil's Backbone. Uh, I thousand percent. Don't, yeah. I don't know if you can get this on Criterion anymore. It might be out of print because it was part of that trilogy. And I don't know if they released those into separate pieces now because uh, it was Pan's Labyrinth, uh, The Devil's Backbone, and Kronos were all in a set together. They may have, have it. S- they may have split them off into th- into three editions. I, have, I don't. I, I, I don't. Have Pan's Labyrinth. Okay, cool. I, I don't think you. I don't think you can get them as a single set anymore. You have to get okay, them separately. Yeah. I think that's I what it is. I have them all separate. Yeah, I I managed to find. I found the trilogy on Blu-ray, used uh, for a reasonable price, and it's like okay, yeah, yeah. I'll get that. They're in great shape, beautiful. Such Man, cool God, imagery this with this so with the ghosts. Yeah, the I mean pool. just the pool, the water, uh, the sort of mm-hmm. he looks. Yeah, I mean. To me, I get a lot of vibes of the Spirit of the Beehive, of course, which he purposefully he sort of built it on a similar structure as that movie, uh, which is a great film as well. Uh, but Diabolique has a lot of, mm-hmm. uh, I think, a lot of vibe in this. I love that whole image. I mean, there are these metaphors that you don't even necessarily need to fully understand that are there and they mean a lot somehow, like that the, 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 the dud bomb. bomb that's in the middle of the courtyard. Yeah. It's like... It's a ghost itself. I mean, all of these yeah. things, it's so fascinating. And yeah, the way the ribbons that are on it sort of trail in the wind, like yeah. the blood that's coming out of the head of the ghost. I mean, it's, wow. It's just an incredible movie. And again, I it's one I want to kind of go watch again right now because it's I know. so good. <laughs> it's so good. This is, this is the one that it pained me not to talk about this year. I, know, I, I, we, I was like, do we do the changeling <laughs> or we do the devil's backbone? And it was yeah. like. We both kind of agonized over our yeah, final choices. <laughs> we really did. We really did. <laughs> it was so. tough. <laughs> um, but we hey. Will, we'll find a way to bring it, the devil's backbone back. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. I don't think that's going to be have a problem. We have to. Yeah. Um, so anyway, that's my list. That's our list. Uh, did nice. you have any, have any uh, oh. sort of ones that didn't quite make it that you wanted to bring up? I mean, I think there was. A couple kind of obvious ones that if you've heard anything I've said in the past that I didn't <laughs> mention, um, The Fog. Yeah. I thought that was, I mean, that is one of my favorite ghost movies like ever. But like I said, yeah. I was just trying to go with some of these choices, maybe underseen, under underloved choices. So that one seemed a little bit too obvious to pick. Uh, Crimson Peak is yeah. my favorite yeah, Del Toro I movie. I freaking love Crimson Peak. That was hard to leave off, but again, too obvious. And then some other ones, 
I love the the remakes of Thirteen Ghosts and House on Haunted Hill. I am a huge champion. I like House on um, Haunted Hill. <laughs> <laughs> I know you didn't like Thirteen Ghosts. I did. That's okay. I, <laughs> I tried. I kind of um, like Ghost Ship. Weirdly, though, <laughs> I love Ghost Ship. Yeah, I had that one the, there the, too. Even the though... remake, I, not the Val. The Val Luton one is not a ghost movie at all. It's no. uh, it's quite different. But uh, the. Uh, the remake, the the. I don't think it's a remake. What, it's it's sort of its own thing. Yeah, I think it's its own thing. It has yeah. the same title as the Val Luton. Movie, <laughs> that's it. It's not as loved as some of those other. I liked ones. it. I from that time it to period. Thirteen Ghosts, personally. Yeah, that's well, that's weird because as far, as far most as people don't like that. They're like goes. They're yeah. like the opening scene is great, and then the rest of the movie sucks. Is what everyone says. But I really like the rest of it. I thought it was fine. Um, the Others is another big one. That's one I've come to love a lot more, yeah. even though I haven't watched it in a long time. Like when I think about it, I think maybe especially in terms of like the innocence. Here's I was like, you know problem. what? The Others was yeah. really good, actually. <laughs> my problem was I saw The Others on video soon after it came out. I And too soon after I saw The Sixth Sense. So I was looking for a twist. And I, I caught it like super you early. Caught it. <laughs> I, I knew what it was going to be. And so I didn't appreciate the film because of sure. that, which is stupid. You know, looking back, I'm like, that was not a reason to sort of disregard the movie. And now that Criterion's coming out with that disc, I really want to mm-hmm. rewatch it. And I really want to give it because thinking back, it's a beautiful looking movie. It's uh, got a great, you know, classic ghost setup and like you're saying that connecting it with the innocence which as we well know i love it is my Mm -hmm. favorite ghost movie besides perhaps ghostbusters but that's something different it's my favorite (laughs) haunting movie you know what i mean yeah i definitely want to revisit the others reassess that one um burnt offerings was also on my discards the devil's backbone but i knew you were going to pick that one Uh (laughs) that's probably your favorite yep uh, session nine, which we yeah, um, talked oh, that's about an interesting before. pick. That's an interesting thought because it, is it a ghost movie or is it not? That's part of the question of the movie. Yeah, that's yeah, true. Which is great. Yeah, that's, mm-hmm. that's a good one. Um, I love session one nine. that I didn't get a chance to rewatch. It might have been on here. Was uh, the Legend of Hell House? Oh yeah, yeah. Um, which I haven't seen yet. I've been. I have that movie. I've been wanting to see it. I saw it once. I remember it being like very surprising, very different than I was expecting it to be. <laughs> Weirdly, um, I've tried watching it several times and I've never gotten past the first 20 minutes. And I don't what? know why. <laughs> I can't figure out why. Like I said, Poltergeist 3 almost made my list. I already talked about like Casper. Oh, Dead Silence is another one yeah. I will give a lot of love to, even though That's a good pick. the creator yeah. himself does not <laughs> like it. What is wrong with him? I don't it's get it. Great. I don't get it it's great great it's great it's so it's so fun and effective it's so like and speaking and speaking of dead of night the the, uh, ventriloquist and over the top like you have this like theater in the middle of a lake yeah that's fucking awesome yeah yeah (laughs) uh we already talked about last night in soho uh Beetlejuice. Uh, I didn't um, there's even this, okay, think about there's another, last night like, in Soho. another movie that almost made the it's list crazy. Um, called 100 Feet. And it's not great. But uh, 100 Feet is an Eric Red movie. We also did The Hitcher. Yeah. You know? So uh-huh. and he wrote this and it stars, I, mean, I just don't know how to say her name, Fam- Famke Jansen. 
Yep. Famke? Is that how you say it? Yeah, I think so. And it's another. It's kind of like we are still here, where it makes the ghosts like very <laughs> violent and not going the subtle approach, but going for the like bonkers approach with it. Like I said, the effects aren't great, but it's kind of a cool setup where she's under house arrest, like with an ankle monitor in mm-hmm. in her house, where she killed her husband, who is now haunting the place yeah. because he was abusive to her and. Yeah. So it's a it's a cool setup. Maybe the execution is not everyone's favorite. I, that's that's kind of the feedback I've heard on it. But I I really enjoy it. Another kind of bonkers one we can go with um Haosu. Yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah, <laughs> for sure. And then a movie that I will champion until the day that I die because I absolutely love it. Hello, Mary Lou, Prom Night Two. Prom Night Two. <laughs> Gotta it's love that fabulous. one. It's great. I love that movie. Love it's that movie great. so much. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, so I'll mention real quick the sort of the big obvious ones, I guess. The Haunting, uh, directed by Robert Wise <laughs> sure. from 1963. Yeah, that's a good one. Uh, and <laughs> <laughs> probably should see that one if you haven't. It's good stuff. Um, yeah, good yeah. Stuff. <laughs> uh, also Robert Wise, Curse of the Cat People from 1944. Yes. Yeah. Uh, great movie. I know you say you prefer it to cat people. I like them both for different reasons. Uh, they're very different approaches. Mm-hmm. What's interesting is it it's a real sequel, though. It really does carry on the story of cat people with the it's same actors different. and same characters, but it's a completely different movie. It did, it's yeah. a completely different idea behind it. I mean, it's a ghost movie rather than a movie about repression and is this woman actually turning into a cat uh, it's not a werewolf movie it's so it's so different from each other i can't think of yeah. two movies that are as different <laughs> from each other that are in the same series but uh, yeah, yeah they're both good i i had four movies that i wanted to watch but didn't have time i just didn't and one of them i got in the mail this morning <laughs> it's the ghost breakers with starring Bob Hope and Paulette Goddard of The Cat and the Canary. Uh, so this is a movie that is on my list for watching soon. Also, there's a movie that was mentioned again on that Edgar Wright episode of Pure Cinema called Ghost Story from 1974. And it's on YouTube. And I'm really curious to watch it after their discussion. And then okay. I've been one I've been wanting to see, I saw the beginning of it, and it's bonkers as fuck. I mean, it's just crazy movie. Uh, Chinese ghost story, uh, which is sort of like kung fu and ghosts and all sorts of wild stuff. Red. Yeah, absolutely. That sounds and, cool. And then one that Elric mentioned that it's got Alan Rickman in it. Sounds really interesting. Also kind of has become available on streaming uh, recently. Is called Truly Madly Deeply. And it's one I've. Okay. It just sounded really interesting. It is not a horror film. It's a. Uh, it's a romance. So there's one on HBO Max called Blythe Spirit that I've been wanting to see it for a long it's, time. It's fun. Yeah. yeah. So there's that one. Uh, there's the remake is also like kind of fun, but uh, okay. Not as not as good. I think, yeah, because the original is David, very colorful. It's David Lean, right? I don't know. Okay. Well, that <laughs> shows what I get for not preparing here, but that's my fault. But yeah, so there there have been a few that I've been wanting to to watch that are a little off the beaten path. Mm-hmm. And so, so many good ones out there and 
Bad ones too, but hey, <laughs> that's part of the fun. I love that's them part all. Of the fun. If it's got a ghost, I probably like it. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I'm, I just love ghosts so much. There's new ones being made all the time, and there's uh, it's sort of like vampires. You know, if you find one where someone does something different with it, yep, it can be just electrifying. Uh-huh. But sometimes you got to search for it, but it's there. Hopefully, both of our lists. Gave people some ideas of stuff to check out or rewatch for the the season. I know this is mm-hmm. the, the day that this is coming out is actually, I think we're planning on doing this on Halloween day. So, hey, yeah. Or, happy uh, Halloween. <laughs> or there, or there's abouts. Or uh, there's abouts, maybe. <laughs> yeah. Depends on how quickly I can edit this episode. But are we ready to talk about what's next? We're talking about heading into November and actually doing stuff that is related to noir. However, not necessarily official noir films. Nah. So we're going to talk about next time. It's a great trope of the noir era was the heist film. So that's our next time. Hope everyone had a wonderful spooky season and uh, got to watch some fun movies during this time. And we certainly enjoyed talking about them. Hell yeah. Yeah, that's why we went the extra mile. Did a couple of bonus episodes, too, because we were just kind of in that mood, I think. Yes, that's been fun. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, you can find me on the socials, and I met a lot of them now, just kind of holding my spot just to see what shakes out. But they're (laughs) all Brian Waves 42. I mostly just on Instagram every once in a while at Michelle Aiken. (laughs) And the show is on Twitter and Instagram at Movie Life Pod. So you can find yep. us there and follow us there. But more importantly, I think give us a rate and review over on Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Uh, help us get the word out and get found by folks. We'd appreciate it. And we love you all that already listen and yeah. have been really faithful and loyal. That's been pretty cool to see that people have stuck with us for as long as they have. Hey, we yeah. are coming up. On three years. Three at, years. Yeah, in a couple of months. I know. It'll be three years. How wild is that? <laughs> I know. I know. I, I'm, Time I'm, flies. It does. It does. It's, it's kind of hard to believe, honestly. Mm-hmm. But yeah. In a good our, way. In a good way. In a good way. In a good way. In a good way. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. I still like you, so we're good. We're I know. We're we still made, friends. We made it through the Thelma and Louise controversy. We can make it through anything. That's true. Yeah. You even sent me your old DVD copy of it, and I've got it over here. It's like our truce. Yeah, there we go. I don't know if we'll ever actually talk about that movie. But, but you know, hey. We at least got over the at least hurdle. we know it's a possibility. We'd be good with it now. Yeah, it would be fine. All right. Happy Halloween, everybody. Most wonderful time of the year. That it is. All right. We'll see you next time with a couple of different kinds of picks for this next season of the year. All right. So what are we going to do? We will see you all next time. Bye. Bye.